What you got Live there? from Nickelodeon Studios. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Uh huh. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. It's blam! Another... Blam! 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 We are the Agitator Podcast, folks. My name is J. David Osborne, and that is Kelby Losack. Today we're talking about Blam by Sutomo Nihei. Uh, Sutomo Nihei. I just fucking said I was going to get that too. But this isn't this isn't a joke that like we're not like I'm literally I'm dead serious right now. I'm not trying to be disrespectful of people's names. I don't know why I have such a fucking blank space. Anyway, the the manga is called Bland. It ran from 1997 <laughs> to 2003. Uh, 65 chapters, 10 volumes. I did the math and 65 chapter it ran in a monthly manga mag. And I did the math, and it actually seemed to have come out once a month, because that's five and a half years, 65 chapters, which is just an incredible achievement. I don't know how people do things like this. When you read the manga, you see how intricate and detailed a lot of this shit is. There's probably something that I'm missing as a sort of uh, non, non-artist non guy. I think Gus is getting more and more into into podcasting with us because he was silent until I pressed play. Yeah, yeah he he, like, he has he has a lot of shit to say about it. <laughs> he probably has a lot of shit to say about the onomatopoeias. The onomatopoeia, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, today is a very rainy day here in Oklahoma. It was one of those days where I'm vibing on a higher plane of existence. I'm. What do, what do you call it when you do that? It's uh. It's not positive energy. It's high vibrational. I'm high vibrational right now. So not shit's bothering me. Uh, We get home. It starts raining cats and dogs. I let my dog out, my geriatric knocking on heaven's door ass dog. I let her out to go pee and she just kind of stands there in the rain looking around like, oh, this is weird. So eventually she comes back in and I'm drying her off. She's soaked, completely soaked. And then the rain starts coming down buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets. And when she's this old, I have to watch her because basically, like, she doesn't know when she has to pee anymore until about 30 seconds before she's got to do it. So I got to keep an eye on her and watch for the signs, her circling, things like that. So it's coming down buckets and she starts doing the, you know, the signs like, let me out, I got to get out. And I was just like, you know, I think it would be easier to clean up the piss at this point. So I just kind of watched her piss on the floor and I'm like, you know what? It's cool. And then I remember, oh shit, fuck. The one errand I forgot to do yesterday was I forgot to grab paper towels. So I was like, fuck. Oh so man, I, so you got to just drink it up. You got to drink it up. I had to get the crazy straws out. It was fun. Me and Gus drank all the piss up and <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, but- I like this development from your... Uh- you know, you, you swore off helicopter parenting last episode, and now mm-hmm. you're already into just silly straws and dog piss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the anti-helicopter parenting has been working out really well for my anxiety because the kid loves trash cans. There's nothing I could do. He thinks trash cans are the coolest shit. We'll go outside and go around the side of the house to the garbage bins, and he will just walk around the garbage bins for 30 minutes. And when you're a parent, especially when you've been with the kid all day, you'll understand this. You just, you're just like, okay, this is a way to kill 30 minutes, I guess. <laughs> just you know, you're having fun. <laughs> hey, I don't like that noise at all. Who was that? That didn't even sound like Gus. I That's know not the Gus I know. 
No, it sounded like a whiny crybaby. Come on, let's go in here and play. Let's play with monster trucks. He's also big into monster trucks, which is so funny. Just like boy stuff. Trash, trash, toilets, and monster trucks are, are his primary influences right now as an artist. Yeah. Ro- Rowan is. I like that. His primary influence as an artist. Mm-hmm. Rowan's big on robots and monsters. That's what's up. And, uh, and guns. His Erica's dad can't keep him from the he, he's just he wants to take him to the dollar store every single time he has him yeah so you know he ends lately uh he just gets nerf guns that's all he wants and this last time he got this pump action with a drum on it oh, so you yeah. just pump you just pump and it fires out nerf uh nerf darts that's tight and uh, so we were we were having a lot of fun with that I, I jacked it from him when we were shooting him when he got home. <laughs> That's part of Oh no, we, we can't go outside, boss. It's raining. It's raining, dude. Alright, you know what? You know what time it is? It's monster truck time. I'm about to turn on YouTube, bro. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. YouTube you watch time. TV? You wanna watch TV for an hour while daddy does his podcast? Dude, one day this podcast is going to pay for your college education. So in, if you think about it, this isn't lazy parenting. This is actually good parenting. Because I'm trying to make a quality product that gets shared widely by a, a fervent, loyal fan base so that I can make money. That's all there is to it. You know what I was thinking that's crazy? This is pretty much our investment. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. This is kind of the hail. Like, this and the books that we're writing right now, these are the... And you can feel it too when when people get their hands on Dying World, they're gonna be like, "Oh, this was like, this was this dude's hail. He's this is a hail mary. <laughs> He's just like this is a, because I'm on the bestseller tip, right? And I'm kind of learning about how the kind of books that that normies like and shit. And uh, I will do that, but Dying World is kind of my last bl- blam esque attempt at just putting everything that I like into a into a book. And that's the podcast, too. It's just like, let's see if it works. Because if it doesn't work, I'm going to be writing, uh, you know, uh, Lee Child-style thrillers and, uh, you know, fantasy books where I do Dungeons and Dragons and just write it down. Did you know that that's a bestseller right now? It's called The Hedge Wizard. The Hedge Wizard 2. This dude just plays D&D and, and writes, writes what happens down. And it's big. It's huge. Sold like ten thousand copies this month. That's you know I I remember hanging out with friends who were big into D and D and just making characters and shit. And they would say shit like that. Like you should write a D and D. Like you should just write this. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, that sounds gay. I'm not yep. doing that. But somebody did it, <laughs> and now he's where we want to be. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's been reading my bestseller uh, who listens to this podcast because I, I got a shitload of subscriptions off that. Uh, but if you've been reading that, you'll know that my new attitude about all this shit is just like, I am not precious about it. It's like, what works? What works? What gets me to a point where I can write books and people buy them and that be my sole source of income? Anything. Yeah. Anything that works. I'm, I'm down. 
my uh, my big turning point was when the thing I was doing, like with construction and shit, was um, making money. Like, yeah. Just okay money, but it was like consistent. That, you know, can't blame it on one thing. It's all just through supply chain, through shift in, in culture, through the economy, tanking, through all kinds of shit. Like, it's just, that's no longer a viable source of income. And so now I'm like, well, what the fuck do I do? I was really good at that, and I'm good at, like, art shit, so I guess I need this to make money. Mm-hmm. So everything, everything's a, everything's a hill Mary pass now. I'm trying to. I need, I need me one of those graviton fucking guns mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. just to just blow a hole in the whole shit and enter yeah. enter into the other side where I've got bags of money. Yeah, because it it all started making sense to me when I was listening to Contain and Barrett and uh, Alex Beanstalk were talking about Finpunk and nano business and micro business and it just all suddenly clicked to me they make a compelling argument that the next 10 or 15 years are going to be sort of the age of the nano business of you as a you exploiting yourself as a way to escape from the mass exploitation of corporations and companies and shit like that they're basically not spending any time complaining about, you know, oh, capitalism this and capitalism, we should switch to a social, whatever. They're just like, no, the, the only way to make this work is to literally use the master's tools to dismantle its own house, which goes completely against the, the old saying, right? You're not supposed to do that. But I heard that. I was like, oh, fuck. And then knowing what I know about that and knowing what I know about the long tail and how, you know, you find two, 3,000 people who are really into your shit and will buy everything you make. And then you just produce enough shit to make money. That's yeah. not, that's not, that wasn't a full sentence, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> just as long as it ends with make money, yeah. I'm following. <laughs> <laughs> I could just be saying like the most random. I could be like, give it a dope, dee, ba, da, ba, do, to make money. And you're like, fuck yeah, bro. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with it. I'm with it. I fuck with it. No, yeah. And I've been even on, on the nano micro. I'm just hustling, man. Like I, uh, <laughs> I get so much, uh, run across so much finger wagging at undercutting people and this and that and not selling yourself short and whatever i'm like that might work in your world i need some money whether that's five dollars or whether it's fifteen hundred dollars i need fucking money so yeah. we're open i'm to spending it. we're open yeah. to we're open to the blessings <laughs> I'm spending all my time waiting on callbacks. Nah, fuck that. I'll, I'll, I'll be spending time being like, oh, at $5, bet. Okay, mm-hmm. another $5, bet. Okay. Changed my whole shit with, uh, with editing, too. <clears throat> I used to be really precious, and something would come down the pipe, and it, the price wouldn't be right, and it would be a genre that I didn't really care for, and so I would just click like, nah, it's not for me. And I wish I could go back and beat my own ass, you know? Because I could have just done it. Nothing would have stopped me from just doing it. And to put it in perspective, I mean, it's better than any nine to five job. You know, there are people who would, you know, 
give whatever to be able to leave their job and do what I do, which is just fix people's books right. at, at, at my own pace, like whatever I want to. Like whenever I need some money, I'm like, all right, let me go into the queue and pick one of these out, fix it and make money. I mean, what the fuck is like whenever I was broke last month, I got really close to being broke because <clears throat> it did dry up for about a month. But I, I didn't stack adequately I, I because I was on that dumb bullshit and I wanted to go back and beat my own ass. I'm like, well, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be in this pickle if you had just said yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. I cast out like fucking. Well, this morning, Rowan woke up after uh, I had just an hour of sleep after binging these 2,000 pages. Uh, I had about an hour of really wild, vivid dreams. And then he was awake. So I was awake. So I put in like 15 applications between 2 and 3 in the morning and was just like, just copy pasting cover letters and shilling myself for whatever it's like this is five bucks this is 350 bucks this is oh you say your budget's 250 how about i'll do it for a hundred dollars like <laughs> i'm just just scattershotting kelby's got those filipino prices i do i do i'm out here i'm out here being a filipino filipino i love filipinos well, the thing that people complain about, you know, uh, they're all they're taking our jobs. These people overseas are taking our jobs. I'm like, okay, so what's their prices? I'll just do that here, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's supply and demand, baby. And come on, I mean, creative people. I'm going to use that term, creatives, right? Because it's useful in this context. Who you know complain like I used to about like, oh man, I just I can't. This thing doesn't scale. I'm sitting. I'm like, dude. So what you're what what I was basically complaining about is that oh, to make the same amount of money, instead of working for two hours a day, I might have to work for three hours a day. It's just mm. like my perspective was all fucked up, but nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been sitting in the chair so much, just putting in fucking applications, and I don't get paid to like to hustle to like try you know i don't get paid to throw myself out there yeah. i get paid for jobs mm -hmm. so i'm sitting there like well fuck if i'm sitting here all day anyways trying to get whatever i can get why don't i just take whatever i can get and the whole time i'm sitting here all day all fucking day long i'm making some kind of money yep exactly you gotta make also, at least like 125 dollars a day you That's like got to minimum. Yeah, got to. And I was looking at like options of just going to like get a different job. And around here, like I said, the type of shit I was into, nobody's making money at it, meaning they're not fucking hiring. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to what? Go work at Target? They're not going to pay me enough. So I'll just take a lower cut and stay my ass at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are on that same wavelength, too. I think that's what the hiring crisis is all about. You'll see CEOs from big businesses crying on TV. Nobody wants to work anymore. And the answer to that, of course, is no, we don't want to work. Not like that. Not for $15 an hour for 40 hours a week <clears throat> dealing with people and all their messy bullshit. 
I can make a, maybe a little bit less, usually a lot more, to sit at home and do what I do. So, yeah, they they don't want people to work either. They're like they don't want infrastructure. They they want like select big companies like IKEA is doing fine, mm-hmm. Amazon is doing fine, Wayfair is doing fine, but like what I was doing, you can't make money at it because the price of lumber has gone up like 600% in the past year and a half. Yeah. We but their prices haven't bro. gone up. We need to start right? cutting down some trees. It ain't even a supply issue. It ain't nothing. It's a just because. It's just because they're getting away with it. Right. Like there's there's like local mills that are just charging the same as like uh, China and Vietnam that blame it on like tax tariffs and shit like that. Well, over here they're just like, okay, yeah, it's like seventy dollars per four by eight sheet of plywood now here too. We're like, why? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It was we should like just kill, kill these people, dude. Some somebody's. Yeah. That's what I always wonder about when it comes to domestic terrorism, because you got the guy in Waukesha who ran over a bunch of people and. He's a, I don't know, he's some kind of crazy, I don't I don't even know what his thought process is. I don't really follow the news well enough to know. I just saw a picture of him. He looked kind of scary. Um, but he's, you know, he's like running people over on a parade. And I often wonder why that energy isn't just channeled into, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to do t- anyway, like me personally, I have no interest in doing Missouri. I want to write books about cyberpunk stuff and be left alone. But if you're going to... Yeah, to our incel listeners. Yeah, to the incel listeners. Like, oh man, you know what though? I'm thinking about this. We probably should be careful about that. You got Alex Jones out here getting sued for a billion dollars because of what his listeners did. So it's kind of like, I don't know. On the one hand, it makes me want to like the agitator <laughs> version of me wants to be like hey everybody go <laughs> but then the uh we'll just twin peaks a bunch of this language in here and seriously and, and, the, and, and, and the the incels can run through it and re re-reverse it and and that's all i'm yeah. gonna just be in court like it was an art project i don't know what you're talking about that's funny that you mentioned the twin peaks thing because back in the 80s or 90s when the satanic panic was going on you remember, right? Judas Priest went on trial because yeah, those yeah. kids blew their brains out. This is this has been a conversation that's been going on forever. As long as there's been art, there have been people who have... And it's an interesting discussion, right? Because on the one hand, I think that words and art are powerful, and they are magical, and they do have the ability to influence people. But on the same tip, you can't really think about that when you're making art because it'll fuck it up yeah no i think it 100 percent influences a lot and just as an artist and as a i don't know from my my spiritual uh religious beliefs as well i'm like yeah you're 100 percent right uh but i i think artists should be exempt from accountability yeah it's just one of the like people people will make arguments about this kind of stuff but they're coming at it from a solutionist angle and what i mean by that they argue about they have to argue that art has no influence on people because from a solution-based 
argumentative position that therefore means that art needs to be restricted. On the other hand, when people say that art does affect people similarly from a solution-based place, they're saying, so that means that it needs to be banned. But I'm not into solutionism. I'm just into acknowledging what truth is and saying, I mean, there's kind of nothing you can do about it, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, art 100%. Like, you can't tell me that a, a little baby playing Doom all day long doesn't have some kind of effect <laughs> in some people, right? Like, the, col- the <laughs> yeah. Columbine kids. Like, basically what I'm saying is Marilyn Manson did cause Columbine to a certain extent, right? He- and, and you think I haven't gotten ideas on, like, how to pull some shit off through Grand Theft Auto? Like, yeah. 100%. I run that shit like a simulator. Like, okay. Yeah. Would they? Would I fuck up on this? Mm-hmm. This is some shit that like I wouldn't have thought about if I wasn't playing this game. Right. So saying that that's not, but like, what's so hard for people to get their head around, and what has gotten me in trouble in the past, is that I'm basically, I'm like, look, this is fucking, this is true. I know it's the hot button issue of the day. This is true, but it doesn't mean we have to do anything about it. <laughs> it's just no. one of those things it's like pollution or whatever it, the environment is a huge one because people will i don't know whatever climate argument you're talking about my thought process is that uh humans are causing some climate change but there really isn't shit you can do about it at this point you personally yeah. so why care about it you yeah you it's 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 impossible to I think more people should just get in touch with their gut and just uh, honesty. That's, yeah. that's the tip I'm on. Just, just self honesty. Yeah. Like the, like our humans, you know, fucking up the environment as it is now. Yeah. We're contributing for sure. At mm-hmm. least contributing. I'm not a scientist, but like, that's undeniable. I am. I think but you're like, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know gay ass teenagers like throwing food in a museum i'm like can somebody shoot them in the head like, oh 100 percent, dude execute like just execute that would be hilarious on site if i was a museum security guard that'd be my i'd, I'd be <laughs> like oh, i'm gonna get be, a raise kelby would just be fucking kelby would just be waiting to shoot somebody kelby would be sitting at his well no you have to stand if you're museum security but he'd just be standing there like like eating a bowl of mashed potatoes, you know, just kind of leaving it da- dangerously <laughs> close to a painting. Like, I wish they would. I wish they would. But, uh, but yeah, folks. I mean, this is, it turned into actually a pretty good conversation, I think, because it's next level galaxy brain thinking to remove solutions from the way you perceive the world. Like understanding and wisdom is completely separate from being prescriptive about it. I'm more interested in describing, not prescribing. Which I don't yes. know what the fuck is supposed to be done. I'm, I just, I just witness shit. I just, I just see shit. Which is why I don't things are supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I do to some extent believe that life is a simulation. Not that it's fake or that we're plugged into a machine, but that you go through the wheel of samsara, you end up in another. You, you're the way that God experiences Himself. Mm-hmm. So True. you're in some kind of a simulation right in a in a video game Mm -hmm. you're not trying to solve the code of the world you're not trying to figure out the program you're just playing you're just 
experiencing the world. That's it. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean you do nothing. You're right. not like walking around your avatar and just sitting on a bench, and then and then you pull you pull out you know a little Uzi off the the cheat code menu and like blast your own brains out because you're like life is meaningless. Right. You just you play the game. Yep. Yep. If you I think, quit, I think that's all quit, life is. If you quit, bro, I mean, you're just kind of a bitch. You're kind of a bit. I mean, think about how insane it is that we're here. Again, I'm high vibrational right now, dude. I'm thinking about like life is a gift. My dog pissing all over the floor. I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I'm just so grateful to be able to mop this piss up off the floor with a dirty <laughs> towel. I mean, it's just it's so great. <clears throat> but like, there's what's the solution? You know, you know what the solution is to my dog problem? If I was solution based, I'd go get her put down. I'd go put her down. Honestly, mm-hmm. like that that sounds cold as fuck. And uh but my whole thing with the dog is that she's ha- starting to have a little bit of difficulty standing. Her hips aren't quite working the way they used to. And as soon as she can't stand, then that becomes a mercy killing. And that's that's when I actually do it. But, you know, her mind started to go a little bit. She got dementia. But that doesn't mean that she's a unhappy dog. She still likes to play and get petted and eat food and shit like that. So to me it felt morally incorrect to put her down because she became an inconvenience to me, right? I've been an inconvenience to her. I know that much is true. She never put me down. Although maybe she tried. I don't know. But like the solution-based response to all this is like, well, you know, you have to clean up after this dog and you spend money that you don't want to be spending on food. And she's kind of like gross. She's got like a weird skin condition. The solution is to put her down. But... I'm not thinking solution-based type shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that you mentioned the simulation because that brings us to Blam uh, really well. This is going to be kind of a long episode, I guess, folks, but I feel like there was some some gold in that conversation, so we'll we'll keep that in. Um, we, we just we just binged two thousand pages of a manga in yeah. its entirety in one night, so yes. yes. I guess you just you don't you don't get the short little capsule episode today. No, today's a long one, but it's good. We can hang out. You can listen to this over the course of several days. You can uh, you know hang out with us for a while. Do you want to try to explain this thing, or you want me to? I guess we can both do it. Uh, if you want to kick it off, though, that's cool. Yeah, because there's a lot of sections that like I probably want to pause on or go back yeah. to, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the basic premise is that oh also i read two translations of this i started off on one same what's what's the dude's name it's killy but it's also kiri uh kiri or, or okay. like or like Kyrie, like Kyrie irving or something like yeah because i did the same thing i had uh, a mixture of the original 10 volume shonen manga or whatever and then i finished it up with the um with the master which i should i should have just read the masters all the way through because it's much the art looks a lot better like i think they were yeah. with computers and shit and kind of did like some high res stuff and and the translation seems a little bit better too not that there's a lot of reading to be done you caught you said before we started recording you said i watched it and then you corrected yourself to read it but you, you are kind of watching this manga. yeah 
Yeah, it is kind of a silent... Even the shit that they say is, like, mostly expositional. Mm-hmm. And you're not following. <laughs> you're, yeah. like... The most, like, information I got out of the dialogue, as far as what the fuck was happening... Yeah. Was, one... Whenever they'd mentioned how long it was going to take to get somewhere, like this is going to be like 800 hours or mm-hmm. it's been 2,700, 5 million, whatever hours since I saw you last. Like they measure by hours and it's always a long ass fucking time. It's like, oh, God damn. So you get the perception of like uh, lifespan and aging and evolution and scope and distance and all this shit through the the fact that to go anywhere it takes fucking hundreds of hours yeah um and they said something at some point about how many kilometers uh uh fucking killy or kiri had traveled and it was like the size of jupiter basically so i was like oh fuck this is a planet yeah basically the city in in blam we start off with killy and I guess we'll just start at the beginning. So he's walking around. Um, Nihei was an architectural student. Uh, I don't think he ever got into architecture formally, but he learned all the the principles, which is really funny that we got into this manga when we did, because I'm starting to fuck with architecture too. I think it's a cyberpunk thing. I think when you're trying to write about a city, uh, you, you have to sort of know what, architectural structures are called so that you can give people an idea in their head of what's going on but he got really into it and so right off the jump from the first issue you get what blam is all about it's this dude with a a really powerful gun who's walking through these for the most part completely deserted uh, mega structures right and the sense of scale is incredible you really do get this feeling of everything being massive and empty and there's a lot of twisting, winding stairs and, <clears throat> you know, a lot of empty space. It kind of reminded me of, you know, when you hear about the inside of our of our cells, how the, the distance between the protons and the electrons is like equal to the distance between planets or something. Like they're really like most of us mm. is just em- empty space. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, all those cells get clustered up together, atoms and shit. And so we perceive reality, but really reality is mostly empty. So that was my, that was kind of my first takeaway. The other thing is that he's got this graviton beam emitter gun. It's like the most powerful gun in the world, which is a fucking great concept, right? Like your hero is completely unremarkable. He's just got an insane gun. I think at one point, Uh I think at one point he he just, uh, he just found, right? No, he no, because we find out eventually that he he has an assign he was given an assignment. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, to be fair, towards the beginning, we would think like, oh, he just found it or whatever. But there's one point where he shoots his bad guy, and the bad guys are like, the beam went you know seventy kilometers, right? So that's the kind of thing, and that's what sort of threw me off at first. I, I couldn't tell what was going on because every time he shoots it. He flies backwards into buildings and through walls and shit, and that threw me off because I was like, "Wait, when did the when did the bad guy hit him? The bad guy just got its head blown off. Like, why is he flying back like that?" So it took me uh, probably like the first volume 
to it, you know you know what it was it was in volume two when they warned him about using the gun it was, they were like yeah, hey man like yeah. if you, if you, you use can't this use gun, that in here yeah you can't use that in here because it'll take the whole building down i was like oh right 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 and then we get even a a little bit more of what's going on whenever gravity actually is sucked out of the room whenever he hops on board that delivery truck Mm -hmm. and then he he finds out like he don't fuck with what's going on with the delivery people and decides to just start blasting them Uh and he blows a hole in the wall and then they're all like sucked out of it and then there's like some time later where he does some creative like double firing up and down sort of doing like a portal like that game portal yeah like fucking with it like that i'm like okay okay which is kind of how this whole story unfolds like you don't it's a very show don't tell kind of story mm-hmm. where uh you just find out what's going on and where you're at as you get further into it i was listening to a normie podcast about blam which is where by the way i found out that it's pronounced blam because it's spelled blame which is fucking hilarious you know, you get you get like a year or two into this manga, and an uh, English speaker is like, you know, there's not a there's not an e on blam, right? That makes it blame. And I can just imagine the suits at you know the the manga company being like, uh, we yeah, we don't we don't care about that. It's it's got yeah, all the marketing ha- has all the marketing has the e, so it's it's too late. We now. already we got a we're talking to Netflix about an anime deal. We're not yeah, changing e, it. We're not changing it. Um, but uh oh fuck i lost my train of thought what was i talking about uh you were talking about a normie podcast oh yes 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 and they were very polite about this but it was almost exactly what you would expect because on this particular podcast they're comparing uh, an artist's early work which blam was his first big manga uh to where they're at now and i think it's like something knights like knights of sidonia or something is what he's working on now and um, basically, they were talking about all the things that we're talking about, but in sort of a, a negative, they're like, yeah, this isn't really good because you can't tell what's going This the same shit that I'm very reluctantly beginning to accept is just how most people engage with art, right? Like they, they want a clear story. And Blam, for the entirety of its 2,000 pages, never achieves that clarity at all. As soon as you no. think you have a grip on it, they switch characters or a character gets shot in the head and now she's got a weird, creepy spider body. And, you know, it's just, it's constantly shifting. Oh, the chick, Sibo, she switches bodies like a motherfucker. Five or that, six times I was, at least actually honestly following that probably more than i should and maybe because i was consuming the whole thing in one go uh because i could imagine you're if you're following this monthly or if you start picking it up when it hasn't been completely finished yet that shit might get confusing where you're like wait because at one point she takes over uh uh, was it sanaka or something like that sakama yeah this chick who who they think is a human little girl who turns out to be a safeguard which is kind of the kind of the authority they're kind of like the police and they're like cyborgs um and they're bad guys and so she turns out to be one of those but then Sibo ends up taking her body 
so she looks like her for a while and, and it i could imagine that getting confusing and in the end even they, though in the end honestly, they meld. I was following the entire time yeah yeah in, in the end they meld and make a baby they're like it's a baby with with that two females out of made, out know? of nowhere i was yeah. like what did i miss because i was kind of falling asleep <laughs> i was like flipping through and then i was like nodding off and I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? So no, I flipped back anything. several pages, and I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> no, you didn't. It came from nowhere, bro. It came from, it's, it's nowhere to be found until the very end, uh, because it's very important to end cyberpunk stories on notes of hope. Uh, Death Stranding ends in the same way, where the little baby that's on your chest actually gets born, and then you're kind of moving through the wasteland now, like with a kid, because it's like, oh, we got to carry even though the apocalypse has happened and there are, you know, scary oil ghosts everywhere, we have to keep moving forward. And so I think that that's, it's, everything is based off of just tone here. By the way, I want to real quick for listeners, explain what's going on in the cyberpunk world of Blam, just as far as I understand it. And this is not all me. I went to the fandom wiki, by far the worst website to try to read on the internet ads for i have so many pop-up blockers everywhere ads yeah everywhere. <laughs> like you basically you get a tiny little square on your screen that you can that you can read through because everything else is like an uncharted trailer or a you know a scary <laughs> movie trailer or whatever but okay so here goes so we got killy he's moving he's on a mission to find a human being with something called net terminal genes that's his whole that's almost the only thing he says in the entire mm-hmm. movie. He's just like, do you know where the net terminal genes are? Hey, I'm looking for somebody with net terminal genes. Yeah, he's, he's like Tao Lin. <laughs> in what way? That he that he just uh, repeats and, and oh, is like, right, like just the direct. Style. Got you. Got just you. like, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. Because he's, no, he, he's I mean, not, like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I mean, maybe, but. But uh, so the, the backstory of what has gone on is that this enormous city, this megastructure that's as big as the planet Jupiter started because at a certain point, the Internet gets out of control, right? The like the Netscape, I think they call it or something like that. And <clears throat> basically, humans who have net terminal genes are people who can interact with this psychic internet field that essentially controls reality so there is this group called the authority and the authority is uh ai um they it's kind of like the uh the security system for the for the whole internet i'm just going to call it the internet for lack of a better term but what happens is the authority has a subgroup called the safeguards who are cyborg silicon based life forms who rebel against the authority and kill every human who has net terminal genes and then eventually just any human they see on site because what the safeguards want is completely unrestricted growth opportunities for the builders right and the builders are these big spider robot things that do exactly what their name implies they just keep building for no reason they're, they're von neumann machines that self-replicate and and just keep this thing expanding out 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 so the little pockets of humans that still exist 
none of them can connect to this this internet and that's by design because if they could they might pump the brakes a little bit they might take over and pump the brakes uh but killy has been sent by a you find this out in i think volume seven or eight maybe he's been sent by a pre-authority figure we're never sure who that is on a mission to find the person who can maybe get maybe has these genes to uh just to kind of stop this unhindered progress so it's it's really metaphorically uh it's an analogy for like the most absurd future you can imagine of just unrelenting progress is how i took it i took it as a the more you read these stories it doesn't really matter what artists say in interviews or the way that they um, you know pretend to be if you just read the stories it ends with a, a baby and also with the humans continuing to try as best as they can to stop progressing right it's like this is hell mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. to stop and we have to go back to having babies and just being people yeah. again yeah they want to destroy the builders Mm -hmm. Or uh, he the best they get out of the builders that is that one time when he manipulates the builder into constructing a. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was in like the fifth volume, maybe somewhere. It was during that battle with the uh, all the cyber, the electric fishermen, mm -hmm. and the safeguards, and they like blew a hole, blew a big ass hole in the wall, and like. Oh yeah, that's uh, four. Yeah. Yeah, human like they find out he can speak to the builders and he goes up and he like makes them build a wall or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause the builders don't have, uh, the builders are, are just, you know, they don't have consciousness at all. They're just the first time you see one, it's actually really funny because Killy is still kind of in civilization. This is before the, the back half of the series when he's just in completely alien, desolate landscapes. But when he's still sort of around people, um, he, he's talking to this guy who, of course, ends up you know getting his head chopped off like three panels later. But they're talking and this spider thing comes up and just like starts making a column. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's just what they do. Like, be best not to mess with it. It's just going to keep building shit. And I, I don't know. I, like, there are little moments in this of humor, I guess. It's humorous if you are keeping up this unrelenting pace of, of just mm -hmm. like giving yourself over because honestly dude, it's 2000 pages it makes it sound bigger than it is i think i think i got through this whole thing in like three and a half hours i think it was it, it wasn't very long because i was just like not trying to figure any of this shit out yeah yeah my day was very jumbled and i couldn't i had to give up trying to read it on my phone because it was just loading it was taking forever to load those yeah. you know beautiful pages mm -hmm. so i just waited till the kid was in bed and went through the last five or six volumes i still had left to go uh yeah no it's not long at all and unrelenting is one of the best adjectives for it it just keeps <laughs> and i don't i don't know if this is one i know that people who stick to like a you know they do this with tv series with multiple writers or like you know with comic book arcs that have multiple writers illustrators like you know all 
working on separate projects that are going to end up converging at some point or whatever, they have a Bible, right, of like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who these characters are and how they would behave. You come up with situations to put them in, whatever, but these are the people who have to stay alive. This is kind of how they act, The you know, shit like that. This, I don't think they had shit. I think they were completely... <laughs> completely making it up as they went along yeah yeah and by the way when you say they it's very progressive of you to assign him those pronouns because he didn't use any assistance for this this is one oh oh you're right you're right yeah this is a i think even like uh, even like miura right i mean if you need little shit done that you don't you know like miura's got to focus on the big battles bro like he's got to you know make sure that those look right but if you got a scene with two characters talking to each other I might be talking out of my ass, and no disrespect uh, to the god Kentaro Miura, but I'm pretty sure that like manga artists have assistants, like One Piece, right? Like that dude's—he's not, you know, he's not doing every little <laughs> panel with One Piece. No, 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 no. But Nihei um, did. He—he he had complete control over this one. You can kind of feel that too, because in the way that see Berserk. And it's not even that Berserk, Berserk wasn't written or illustrated digitally or anything. Like, Miura is just a fucking beast. But it, like, Berserk has fluidity. This is like a shotgun blast. Like, yeah. the panels are all over the place. You're like, you get into its rhythm. You mm-hmm. kind of, like, just kind of fold. You just melt into it and, like, understand what's going on but there there's a barrier to entry where you're like what the fuck is happening right and you just have to power through there's there's nothing else really to do i again after about two or three chapters of this i gave up and by give up i mean i stopped like if i didn't get what was going on in a panel i was like all right cool bet and it was a very cool experience because once you're barriers have been broken down like that and you're able to just take it in it becomes a holy mountain-esque psychedelic uh very nihilistic tale you know you're just like okay there's more there's more safeguards now there's a new one they all look like weird hellraiser demons i would like pause for a few seconds on some of those beautiful you know two-page spreads of just you know an empty cavernous mega structure with like a little tiny ant person walking along some stairs and uh you you kind of live in that world but you know when i say nihilistic what i thought was so interesting about this is that it didn't it didn't depress me and i wonder how he did that because it's a very it's everything we've said is depressing as fuck but you don't feel depressed when you're reading it but it's also, it's no. not funny, it's not goofy, he, do, he doesn't lighten the mood, ever, but you just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because see, Berserk is so, uh, is very hopeful, it's all about ambition, it's all about drive, it's all about family, it's all about love, it's about revenge, it's about human emotion, like raw, primal humanity, and never giving up the grind. Uh, this he never stops but he's not really you don't see an emotional drive behind it it's Mm -hmm. just that it's that anti-solution i think everything we were talking about at the beginning of this actually comes from like i think 
our minds are in the same place after reading this shit just the other night like that that's what this that's what blam kind of presents this this idea that you just exist you just keep going you're Mm -hmm. not like uh you're not looking for a solution Mm -hmm. you're not it's not well we got to hold out hope it's like it doesn't feel like a hopeful tale no even though it kind of it you know at the end it's all about he has a uh he like a daughter gets blasted into the white he basically has a daughter yeah that he you know kind of (laughs) adopts to tag along with him and uh i love that last panel it's like this it doesn't dig in part of the psychedelia comes from not letting you sit with anything Mm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just boom 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 like where where he takes the egg that contains the you know the new human fetus from the two females that's three panels Mm -hmm. and it's him falling he's he gets his head blown off he gets half of his head blown off yeah like omar Uh, from the wire just kind of random yeah walking just random it's no big boss scene it's just ran he gets caught slipping in a sewer Mm -hmm. gets half his head shot off and then all of a sudden he's drowning but he has the egg and then the egg you know looks at him and then we flash to however that's three panels and then we flash to the next page where he's in a city again with his gun and he's got this kid in a hazmat suit behind him so it's like he kept going with this kid now that's the end yep like and for perspective you know when when kelby's saying three panels three pages there are explosions in bland that last for like five or six pages just explosions like like you'll turn the page like damn shit's still exploding and it's just straight up it's just fire you know very impressionistic very interesting from the perspective of this being on a deadline right that's another thing of mm-hmm. it being like you know he's got to have something out this month uh so guess what you're getting five because i have to imagine that it's easier to just draw four pages of explosions four is the most that i counted just because i thought it was funny i went back i was like how long is this explosion going on um <laughs> but it's also it, it is just kind of you know so i was thinking about this from a writing perspective of course as usual and you know with dying world coming out in a month at this point you know like when shit's getting ready to come out you get a little bit of like you know oh, i didn't do everything i wanted to do in this book you know i mean i'm putting it out the, the band-aid's coming off there's no two ways about that but there's all this kind of there's all this stuff i want to do and i have uh i'm giving myself 10 10 books that's part of the hail mary thing right 10 books with about two, three months between each book. And then we'll, we'll see where we're at at book 10 and we'll reevaluate. But <clears throat> what's so interesting about Bland and what I found inspiring about it, you know how some people be like, oh man, it, it really picks up in season two. It really picks up in season two. Blam, I think personally, picks up with the introduce, introduction of Dahomo Chomsky or whatever his name is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but like, which is funny because it sounds like a gay rapper, right? Like, now introduce the homo Introducing the homo. The baby would have something to say about that. He sure would. But I think it picks up around volume seven. I think seven, eight, nine, and ten are a brilliant masterpiece. But, like, 
everything that comes before it, it's not that it's bad, right? It's not that you have to push your, yourself to get through it. But this is a this is a creator in real time figuring out what he wants to do with the world. And I took a lot of inspiration from that, bro. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, so Dying World, the way that it, you know, kind of... I've been over this on the podcast before, so I'm not going to go over it again. But, like, basically the first book... I'm just literally introducing the characters. And when it's over, it just stops. It's not even a... I might go back, honestly, and add a little cliffhanger. But the way I have it now, it's not even a cliffhanger. It's just the book The book is over. And part two will come out in like two or three months. And uh, there's a part of me that's really nervous about doing that. You know what I mean? Because of what people expect from books. You know, But I have to think about this on a long enough time scale and think like, okay, most people who read this will be reading this a year, two years from now. And when they do that, they'll have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten books to read all the way through. But it just made me, it gave me a little bit of secondhand confidence to just be like, yeah, this is my weird, semi-unintelligible world. And if you think aesthetically, what I'm doing is cool and you want to read more, it will go places, but I'm figuring it out in real time. In that figuring it out in real time and like the deadline limitations and vibing a certain energy into the thing is like what I'm learning to embrace with, and you see the evidence in this manga, like reading manga, it's like, man, what this shit just flows it's crazy there's ideas that's like how'd you come up with that well you came up with it because this shit is doing a month and you better bring some fire and like you can't second guess yeah. it's just uh you know okay there's builders and they just they just go they just we're, we're just making this up and then there's like the the humans except no actually those are clones he can't find he's not finding the the camp of humans in volume three they're all a bunch of clones moving on and (laughs) let's have him be attacked by a giant worm where'd the worm come from it came through the wall it burst through the wall and fell and it's like okay goddamn uh like everything (laughs) is just it's like a kid telling you a story right and then a dragon comes up (laughs) and then she has wings from where from her back they grow out of her back (laughs) What? Why did? Why did she not use them before? Well, they're big wings. They couldn't. She couldn't open them all the way before. Keep going. Oh, this is cracking me up because the, because you're right, dude. This is 100 percent the thought process that goes into it. Nihei, I will say this. I'm a psychic. I'm in his brain right now. This fool did not have 65 chapters of this shit planned out. He just didn't. He he created a wind up machine. A wind-up world essentially and he just played in it eddie um talking to eddie about it he's like you know it's really just kind of a bunch of short stories you know all in the same universe and i yes and no yes and no right i mean it's it's not it doesn't feel to me like a short story collection in this world. no because it's there's not a, there's a goal right there's yeah. a there's a center there's like a goal that this guy is pursuing so it's not like, you know, he doesn't take a detour like in, you know, in Berserk when um, Guts goes out into the wilderness to fight demons for two years or however long he's out there. Yeah, you could argue Berserk is a short story collection mm-hmm. and 
in the way that the Bible is a short story collection, right? Yeah. Where like there's is, is there's... manga more like a short story collection, or is it more like a, a big sprawl? I think it's I think it's a third thing, right? It's just different. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's what it is. It's very third thing. This third thing was on my mind when finishing this and while reading it. Like I was like, this is the third thing. That meme with the blue wolf. <laughs> that's like mm-hmm. i'm I'm actually a third different thing yeah uh, i'm not i'm not or joking like, or serious i'm a it's a third thing i felt yeah. that when i felt that that's the meme that i felt recently i was like that's it right there i'm doing the third thing and that's what i want to do with it it actually got me motivated to like i'm a i wasn't really getting anxious about mercy because i know when the chips are down i've never I've never had a long time to write a book ever and they've always come out so mm-hmm. I ain't been anxious about it but it is getting close to that time mm-hmm. and I'm like a couple more weeks yeah I'm gonna finish this thing and actually I'm excited because it's gonna be amazing because I only had a couple weeks to finish it and be yep. like yep. this thing has to be done I said it's coming out December 1st and so mm-hmm. pre-orders are already up there's already people sweeping up the pre-orders I it's got to drop yep yeah i'll probably feel more of that uh that pressure when it's time to do the second book because dying world i mean cameron pierce gave me the idea for dying world it wasn't even cyberpunk i messaged him on facebook this is how long ago this was five or six years ago i was like hey man give me a title and a concept and i'll write the book he's like okay it's called dying world and a, a man with a deer head appears to somebody and starts telling them uh, apocalyptic, giving them apocalyptic visions. Like, All right, bet. So this has been through, <laughs> goddamn, bro. I mean, like dozens of iterations at this point. And I finally mm-hmm. just, I finally settled on cyberpunk because of this podcast. Because we have apparently, without even thinking about it, rolled through about eighty percent of the major cyberpunk classics of Japanese cinema. And uh, so that's just where my head was. But I mean, for part two, it's just like. But, you know, the other thing, and this is really interesting because I started playing Cyberpunk 2077, the game, which is basically GTA in a cyberpunk world with, like, not as good of a sense of humor. And, (laughs) you know, the same as GTA, you start off and there are main plot lines that you follow to move the story along. But you also, I mean, you get calls from people who need side jobs. You drive around the city. You get involved with different gangs and different... They call them Ripper Docs, people who give you cybernetic upgrades to your body and gun dealers and prostitutes and all this kind of stuff. And I, that made something click in my head, too, on the manga video game tip. I'm like, why aren't books written like this, too? You know what I mean? Just like yeah. with, with no real like, you know, like part two starts where part one leaves off and... I'm just going to have these characters continue to wander around in the world. And I have, I have something in my mind. Like I, I have a plot of which I've actually written a lot. Uh, but, but why not like just sink into the world for a bit, have two or three books where, uh, you know, where there is no real plot, so to speak. I don't know. Maybe people will hate that. I don't, but I don't, at this point, who cares? Also, at this point, you just, it's adapting that whole, I stopped caring at all and just rolling with ideas whenever I decided by 2024, I'm going to have a book a month dropping. 
Mm-hmm. So like at a book a month at that clip is like you don't fuck with this I don't care mm-hmm. like I'm working on something else <laughs> yeah that came that came out seven books ago like I give a shit yeah yeah some people like, don't fuck with it so you know they're like that this one's not very good it's like well you're wrong uh, so. oh yeah I'm a fuck with all of them but it's that freedom where it's yeah. like honestly mercy I don't feel is gonna be my big like we're on that bestseller mindset and i'm using the bestseller mindset methods to like put it out there but and who knows i don't know but like my prediction i think mercy is going to be one of those in the catalog down the line where people are like yo did you ever check this shit out like it's crazy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's not going to be the one that hits i know the one that's going to hit and it's coming out next year Mm -hmm. but and, and it's because I thought, you know, I was having ideas for it. I was just following the muse. And, you know, I have to first idea, best idea, because this shit's coming out in December. Mm-hmm. So I'm just rolling with it. And I'm like, these are not widely accepted ideas. Like, a lot of people are going to be like, this is confusing. I hate this. And I'm just like, I fuck with it, though. It's what I want to write. And I'm just going to do it. Because guess what? As soon as it's done, I'm going to write the next thing. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. No, it doesn't matter. There's a there's a real freedom when you don't hinge your entire like live or die, sink or swim success on one book every three to four years, which is what most writers. Do. And of course, no, no hate. I oh, fuck, I forgot. We're gonna need to cut that. I forgot because there aren't other writers. I keep fucking forgetting this. I keep <laughs> I keep going into this fantasy world where other writers exist. <clears throat> and it's just like it's okay too, you haven't you haven't had a lot of sleep yeah right. up, up all night reading manga up all night reading manga yeah exactly exactly just like so they're still still reading that huh i'm like yeah yeah what would you what would you prefer me to do go cheat on you is that what you want me to do um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but no i mean you know that that model, I th- and this is what I think from listening to all the bestseller podcasts and doing all my research into bestsellers and shit, is that these people, whether or not you fuck with their writing, they did figure out the cheat code for the whole thing, which is just that the the major the major publisher model of one book every couple years, it's it's not it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I remember listening to an interview with Stephen Graham Jones, the goat, and. Uh, he was talking about how, you know, they 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 compromised with him and said, okay, one book a year, right, or one book every nine months or something like that. And in the podcast, he's talking. He's like, and so I've just got books stacking up now, just backing because <laughs> he just keeps fucking going, dude. Like he 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 doesn't stop. And uh, he's proof of it. All these other bestsellers are proof of it. If you want to be a writer right now, you gotta you gotta keep keep putting shit out you got you got to have a you got to have the manga artist slash writer you got to have the nihei mindset right or the miura mindset of just like every month like this this as much has to be done Mm-hmm. that's it and we don't even have to draw shit we've actually got it easier if you think about it we just have to describe we could just say like it's a big building boom done which is really what a lot of people do too. Like mm-hmm. we've, I've tapped into that vein where I, I know my voice. I can just sort of let it come out. 
I'm not writing the like super personal. Sh- I had one thing that I had to get off my chest, and that did take me like a week to write 2,500 words. Mm-hmm. But writing all this cool shit, it's just I I know what my voice sounds like. I'm like I'm not fucking with the pros. I'm just like let's see how many chapters I can get done. So in terms of blam, we did mention that you know towards and this is again hilarious, you know childlike invention in the moment but towards the end there's a character called mori who's like kind of an ai that's in a vial that hangs from killy's neck and we get the second to last issue is medieval themed basically because mori is in this uh her consciousness has been preserved by backup data and so she lives in this place where Essentially, it's it's basically heaven for for AI robots, right? It's like you can mm-hmm. you get to live in this medieval village or whatever, and <clears throat> that made me want to seek out other Nihei stuff because his interpretation of the berserk medieval world is fucking sick. It's so dope. It looks fucking cool. Yeah, um, no, it's crazy with the like. It's sort of a. Uh... It's got some like Silent Hill vibes to it, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with the like the helmets and shit and the sharp angles and like height. Height is really big all throughout Blam, like because there's different races of uh. They like look human, but they're really tall. They're really tall, yeah. And there's one when it first when the it's actually one of the points of humor in the book. Yeah, might be might be up. the most. Yeah, probably the most direct joke in the whole uh, in the whole series is when he first encounters, as far as we know, we first encounter one of these beings through him being at this store where you think it's just like a sort of Ebenezer Scrooge desk where they're sitting up real tall above everybody, <laughs> but then she stands up and walks around and it's just she's that fucking tall, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they think that he's a child. Which is really yeah. funny, and then he's like, like, he's like, he's like, I'm actually, I've stopped growing, I'm, I'm fully grown. And they're like, oh, I've heard about little people like you, like it's been a rumor, <laughs> it's a rumor that there are normal sized, you know, completely normal sized five foot nine and a half human beings, normal, normal sized human beings out there, not these fucking tall freaks, regular, regular, nice dick size, friendly five nine guys that that would have been where you and i would have taken it in a different direction to like have a little <laughs> bit more true. dialogue there should, should have been truck. one one di- one dick joke one dick joke <laughs> yeah and then the there was jo- the joke no, obviously uh, is that they have tiny penises that's that's the funny part All right no sex in in nope. this which i think nope. uh sort of maybe helped it hang on to the psychedelic feeling i'm not sure yeah, because yeah. because you don't get a release of anything right right yeah there is no sex at all uh the the closest it comes because sibo and killy have zero ro- there's no romance involved like they, they're it's never indicated that they're even remotely attracted to each other everybody's pretty androgynous which is standard for anime and manga i suppose um the closest thing except for berserk (laughs) except for berserk yeah the closest thing that you get to uh, even romance is the uh the ai the uh mensa 
Mensa. What's what's her name? It's not Mensa. That's the organization for smart people. But it's Mensab, I think. Mensab. Mensab. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Seiyu, who's this human? She's an AI, and he's a human knight who protects her. Who also turns out to be the person with the net terminal genes. I think. I think that's what we're supposed to gather from that, because his his blood is what was yeah, in that Yeah, I think vial. they even uh yeah they even said that. I'm pretty sure. And then doesn't like doesn't the, you know they go through all that they get his blood and I'm pretty sure, that the safeguard like feeds it to a dog or something like some kind of dog creature. At first I thought it was feeding a bullet to a dog, which I thought was metal as fuck. I was like, oh shit, he's feeding the dog bullets. That's sick. Uh, but I think that the dog eats the eats the vial. Killy gets it back somehow. This is all around, you know, like seven or eight or something like that. But it's got some of the best fight scenes in the whole thing. Like Seiyu facing off against uh, like P. I think it's P Cell or P Cell or one of the safeguard yeah, people. Yeah. With like a giant That's... face in the background talking to them. It's just like it's basically like. Blam is like, what if, what if the backgrounds in Mortal Kombat were the whole story? You know, <laughs> yeah. The fa- the face on the wall that's talking uh-huh. is part of the. Yeah, there was a lot going on in that. Um, I think he got the vial back from. Well, because they meet up with them later, so I think he just got another vial from him. Or but doesn't say who dies, doesn't he? Doesn't he end up getting killed? Or no, he goes like he goes completely mm. blank because she keeps regenerating him, yeah. but each time he gets yeah. dumber. Every time she does yeah. it, he gets dumber. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, That's the last that's the last place we leave him is when he's regenerating again and the little fairy things, because there's also fairies, uh they're like, Wow, this guy is like really retarded. Yeah, he's like and... he's, there's nothing left. There's nothing left of this guy nihilism there was a lot going on in that one there was like was there some kind of time travel yes there was time travel as well yeah because Sibo exists in a time like outside of space and time but it's for 10 years so i guess time is kind of real it's when they i'm trying to remember exactly what it was because there are these different caves where uh humans live there's 13 caves in this one structure and this ai woman i guess she's a woman she she presents as female is uh trying to keep these humans safe from the safeguard so she's moving shit around and some of the caves fuck with gravity um and some of them seem to fuck with time and space but there is a whole detour that it goes on where Killy and Sibo are outside of time and there's another Sibo out there and they have to basically it's all this convoluted shit it always ends up with Killy shooting it with his powerful gun uh, <laughs> they, they have to shoot this generator with his gravi- graviton beam uh, laser thing and that makes the whole wibbly wobbly time shit straighten out for just long enough for them to get out of it except for the other SIBO who dies i think but i'm pretty sure comes back at a certain point and she's like no i actually escaped it's all it's insane 
It's insane. It's insane. Trying, it's trying insane. Trying to reconstruct it, this is like it's it's all it's an almost impossible task to try to reconstruct what happened in this thing. <laughs> it makes sense on a on a vibe structure. Yeah. The thing the and the trick to like writing something like this, like uh for people who take inspiration and whatever, um, you're trying to come up with something really convoluted and explain it. The trick don't don't yeah. explain it. Right. Just write what just write what happens and keep going. And mm-hmm. as long as you never stop to try and explain it, you just buy into it. You're creating a dream world. So as long as you keep painting the dream world and you don't explain, like you ever been in a dream and something, whether it's like the, like you keep looking down and you can't see your arm or like somebody tells you you're dreaming, like just comes up and says, or, you know, something like something snaps you out of it and you're like, oh, I'm dreaming. Mm -hmm. As long as you never let that happen. I mean, it can be as crazy as, as you want it to be because the story is just a dream and like you try to rehash your dreams. You're like, I don't know. It made sense when I was there. And we're back. And, and we're back. I had to change out my batteries. What were you saying? Uh, oh, I said stay in the dream world. Like don't, don't tell yeah. people it's a dream. Like come up with right. all the convoluted shit you want because it's cool like yeah and honestly if you're rolling at this clip and that's the idea that comes to you that's the Mm -hmm. idea that should be there yes so i want to expand on that a little bit because where i'm at now with understanding bestsellers so you have to understand that again that people don't like that right we're talking about like sometimes it might get confusing and sound like we're saying two different completely different things it it depends on what your goals are so for dying world for example i'm on that tip 100 i'm on the blam tip i'm on the cyberpunk uh you know just free flowing weirdo world uh that is occasionally underexplained. if you are though trying to get people to if you're trying to make your book become like a bestseller i think uh i think it's the opposite i think you do have to explain everything and make sure nobody's ever lost and you know blah 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 but it's it you know it's it's two different modes it depends on what your goal is ultimately right and uh one of the one of the major questions i have that i don't think will be able to be answered except through performing and doing it is whether or not there is a balance there because i feel like i feel like blam is pretty universally respected even if it's not understood the the normies who were very politely talking about how it's bad and doesn't make sense they were still praising its technical aspects right um but yeah no i mean this is just one of the major questions that i'm I'm setting out to try to figure out is you know i like stuff like that but people largely don't so how do you get people to do something that they don't like doing, which is reading books, while doing the type of book that even the people who do like to read don't like and force them to like it? But I think if there's a seed of an answer there, it's in what you said, which is like, just keep making it as cool as possible. Bring like, bring toddler mindset into it. 
What was yeah. that? What was that? What was that? Uh, comic book axe cop, and it was this dude who was just like his, uh, like his six-year-old brother was telling him, like how the story was supposed to go, <laughs> and part of the part of the gag of axe cop is that he's just he's drawing it realistically, taking it dead seriously, but his little brother is telling him what happens, so it's that kind of storytelling where a, a dragon will just show up on the next page and but the dragon is looking for its groceries and like i don't know i think i think that there's something there's something to that and we have to know like in and sort of following my own kind of bestseller journey and in trying to like articulate these concepts to an audience i think our niche audience really is people who are good because there's shit out there for normies there's plenty of shit out there for normies who just how do i but how do i write a book it's like no you have to know how to write a book before you come to us for advice yeah that's you, true that's you really have to true. know your this voice is, already <laughs> yeah this is not 101 shit because the only thing i'm gonna and this is what i work on with editing clients all the time is and some I would say 90% of clients get what I'm doing and the other 10 are just like, okay, but how do you, how do you make it so that this sells a million copies? But like a lot of people, (laughs) the type of editing that I do is basically like, okay, here, here's what you're good at. Like I'll highlight a section and be like, see how you did this? Like the dialogue is so good, so naturalistic. Now contrast that with you trying to explain this weird thing that's happening you see how clunky this is like you totally lose the plot here so why don't we focus on this thing that you're really good at and take some lessons from yourself that you can apply to the stuff that you're not as not quite as good at right what is the what's the quality like how are you hearing these voices in your head and transcribing them so well here but not well here and it's a, that's that's what finding voice I think really is is being voice just means that you're tapped in you're fucking like I could sit down right now and I and I will once the kid goes down for a nap sit down open up the laptop and the challenge is figuring out what happens not how you're going to describe it yeah yeah exactly that's always my hang up which is why you know I kind of took the cheating route and wrote a bunch of just kind of fictionalized versions of real shit and but now it's you know fun playing in the sandbox of fantasy worlds and cyberpunk shit and mythology and you know it's the once you have the what it just comes out you just gotta figure out what's gonna happen because yeah i I have no issue my that's my only issue i'm always like what the fuck is happening next yeah, what happens next? And there's a cheat code for that too. Somebody, I mean, it's in Blam. Uh, Killy pulls out, he he pulls out the blicky and starts spraying. That's what happens next. <laughs> That's what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or there's a there's a new character, except this time it's an enormous worm with a cro- with a crone's face. So many characters. A, That's it, you can tell when they. That's exactly how you do it. That's exactly the trick. It's like if you get mm-hmm. stuck, introduce a new character. Introduce the homo. Introduce somebody just gets their head blown off. Who blew off their head? So you know mm-hmm. the safeguards mm-hmm. are back. There's a brand new monster. Like, yep. He got his leg chopped off. Guess what? It's back, bitch. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> did we did we see it grow back or get reattached? No. But you know, you know, you know that there's technology to get this shit done. I like uh Dom Dahomo Chomsky. Um he's like a trigun looking dude with an upside down cross over his eye who is given a hilariously truncated backstory with his partner because they're essentially two AIs who are they're they're kind of they're different factions of safeguards and they're like one of the good ones basically but you see him meet his partner and you realize that like that like basically his partner lost his or her body and is now literally just like a Casper the Friendly Ghost cartoon mm-hmm. that follows him around <laughs> <laughs> it's just I fucking I can't get enough of it dude. I can't, I I'm I love this shit. It's what initially made us want to start Agitator because it is the Miike spirit. Uh, it is the spirit of, of you know, we're, we're going to tell a story and we're going to bring all of our technical expertise. With uh, Miike, that's everything that goes into coordinating a film set and, and shooting a movie under budget. With Nihei, it's uh, bringing this masterful architectural, technical, artistic ability to the story but within within that that technical and craftsmanlike mastery of what you do you allow your inner child your inner toddler to dictate where it goes and mm-hmm. it's that kind of balance i think <clears throat> that will carry us and anybody who wants to adopt it uh forward in their art i think so Hundred percent. That's the agitator manifesto. Yeah, that's Itchy the Killer too, basically. What happens? I know I want to start off with uh, with Kakihara like crucified, basically, kind of an Izo style thing. Hell yeah! Like like Kakihara. I just love this idea of Kakihara being in hell and being tortured. But since he loves torture, the the demons are like completely flabbergasted what to do with him they're like we just cut his dick off and he was he was like laughing his ass off <laughs> and the dick is coming on the the severed yeah. the severed <laughs> dick is like jizzing everywhere yeah and they're like this guy's i mean i'm a fucking demon and but this guy's fucked up like he's he's i think we need to send him back so, so they send him back to earth to like as a ghost as right, a they ghost send him back like, as a ghost, and nobody can see him, so nobody can touch him, nobody can torture him, and that's his hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, but they all the other idea. No, I like that more. Never mind. I was going to say something else, but that's a be, that's better. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up Blam. If you have any final thoughts on it, uh, but I'm pretty sure that that's a. I think that's a banger. I think that might be a banger. Episode. I think that's a banger. I did. Uh, I had some shouts out. I'm looking at Let's shit. Go. I'm looking at shit on my desk right now, and it coincides with talking about manga and shit. Uh, this Vitiators by Elitron Frass, who fucks with the show, um, is some shit. Like, actually, I ended up with two copies, so I'll bring you one. Uh, Hell yeah! But it's <laughs> it's so fucked up. And it's so uh, it's got a I'm not sure what I'd describe the it's not it's somewhere between Junji Ito and that kind of like a uh man what's that that like super jail guy from Adult Swim 
mm-hmm. where there's like so uh, there's constantly so much shit on the page or on mm-hmm. on screen mm-hmm. whatever uh yeah it's like that and there's like people in gimp suits and fucking demons and all, all kinds of crazy shit and then this dude uh kyle remkis another comics guy who sent oh us. yeah dude i got i got my Rimkiss package also did you yeah yeah hell yeah shouts out shouts out those guys fucks with yeah. the comics yeah he sent a really nice note too he's like i like black um uh here are my zines let me know what you think which is really i mean is it that hard to be that normal i don't think so <laughs> he just seems like a guy who makes these badass little comics, man, and uh, when I fuck with, I emailed him back. I was like, "This shit is so good." And once I'm not reading two thousand pages of of manga, I'm gonna dive into my stack because he said, uh, "I think all of them. I think everything he's done. It was a pretty thick package. Cost like ten dollars to ship it." So shout out Kyle. That kind of shit is majorly appreciated, and uh, the normalcy is appreciated too. Yeah, that that's all we're about. I feel like I've been uh, experiencing a, a bit of misunderstanding from people, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I just fuck with real people. That's it. Mm-hmm. I I heavily do not fuck with weasels and snakes, and I and people being fucking weird. I a hundred percent fuck with just regular ass people, just. It's it's really simple. We could just we, we can all have a good time or or we can just not associate. Either way is fine. Either way is fine with me. Because I I have enough I have enough friends. I don't view my friends as uh, tools or stepping stones to get to where I want to go. So I don't have to like, you know, oh, you don't want to burn any bridge because what if in the future I'm like <laughs> first of all. So first of all, I build my own bridges. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and secondly, secondly, life is too short, bro. Life is just way too short. We have a beautiful Broken River chat with five of the coolest, straightest homies that have ever existed where we talk about art all day, make each other laugh. <clears throat> I've got a wife who I love very much, a son who I love very much, a family that's good. And I go through life on a daily basis on this high vibrational semi-mystical uh you know wavelength life is pretty fucking amazing right it's pretty fucking cool and so basically like when i say normal i'm not talking about anybody in particular i'm just you know i just i don't really look at twitter anymore dude you know what i mean like i just go on there and i'm like you know what this is you know this is actually the way that Kakihara's hell is being a ghost and not being able to experience pain. Like Twitter is just basically, it's just basically hell, you know? And I wish there's a, there's a white savior part of me that wishes that I could pull people out of that funk. And the old me spent way too much time trying to do that, trying to be like, hey guys, like it's actually, life's pretty cool. And if you focus on things that you like, You'll just you'll enjoy your day to day life a lot better, but at this point it's like, who am I? Like who am I to try to, to try to influence people or whatever? I'm just I'm happy where I'm at. So if you come to me with that same energy, 
we can we can get along just fine yeah yeah i think some of it like you relating it to kakihara actually put it in a different perspective too where i think some of it is just a new sexuality born out of twitter existing is that some people like that and that's that's fine i'm not engaging with it though i don't fuck with furries i don't fuck with twitter (laughs) (laughs) hello who is it that was talking shit about furries they're like they're just oh danny brown danny brown danny brown (laughs) <laughs> Danny Brown was like, he's like, you know, shout out furries. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to. Be. And he's like, actually, no, fuck them, nasty ass fuckers. They wear diapers and and they they fuck in those suits. Fuck furries. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but actually, yeah, I kind of though. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. I love Danny Brown. Shout out, Danny shout Brown. Out Danny Nash, Brown. Na- fucking national treasure, Danny Brown. Um, but yeah, man, I uh. I really like the the way that that things are going, and it's funny too because I told that story up top to make it clear that it's not that life is easy. I mean, listeners, if you could hear, I mean, got my son yelling at me, got my dog who's about to die pissing all over the place. It's gloomy, rainy as fuck outside. I've got a gang of work to do today. On books and when I'd really rather of course fuck off and play video games um, but it's it's so hard to explain that I it's just none of it's getting to me you know what I mean I'm not I'm not like blissed out you see what I'm saying it's like I'm not like it's not a SSRI haze it's not a blissed out drunk uh, you know like I just fucking love everybody it's it's just I don't know appreciation maybe I don't fucking know, bro. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I don't... And part of of it's also, like, what do you do? You know? Like, uh, Blam came at a good time for me, too. And Mm -hmm. this conversation came at a good time for me, too. Because I'm where the only... The only things keeping me alive are what would happen to my family. And... If uh, if I weren't, you know, here and and not being able to experience them and just what we were talking about with the like, it's not that life's a struggle. It's not that life is. It just is what it is. So you can't yeah. like, you can't tap out. No, you can't tap out. You can't. If you tap out, you're a bitch, straight up. And guess what? You tap out, you're gonna come right back anyway. You dumb motherfucker. Like nobody taps out and then it's just done. Yeah, and then that you. Wheel, who who knows? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out and I'm gonna come back as Donald Trump and everything will be okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> imagine being bored with like some some bit of memory of who you were before, and you you get born. It doesn't even make any sense because but time is weird. But you are born as Donald Trump, and you're like, if it was me. My last thought before the consciousness of JDO slipped away and I became Donald Trump, I would be thinking, let's fucking go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm what all the rappers want to (laughs) be. 